Welcome to Rethinking Manhood. Before we get started, I want to name that this episode is about men and masculine folks who are survivors of sexual assault. Please take care of yourself if you choose to listen to this episode, and if you are personally impacted by sexual assault and need someone to talk to, please know that you can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-HOPE, which is 4673. Again, 1-800-656-4673. Any words that came out of his mouth, I believed. No matter how odd, how unusual, or how silly the claim was, I believed him. If he told me that grass was not actually green but purple, I would go along with it. When he uttered the words, let's play a game, I was excited. It did something to my ego to know that he wanted to play a game with me. I asked if it was a fun game, knowing that his games weren't always fun. He assured me that I would like it and that it would be fun. There was only one condition to the game. It had to be a secret. That didn't bother me though, because I was good at keeping his secrets. I wish I could remember how to play the game, or if I could even remember the rules. The mind has a way of burying our trauma away in attempts to forget it. I thought to myself, yeah, it was just a game, just a game that I would play many times with the same condition. A game that I would play, but would never win. Welcome back to another episode of Rethinking Manhood. Now, before we get too deep into today's episode, I want to invite you to take a deep breath with me. Inhale. Exhale. Breathe in peace, breathe out anxiety. Thank you. I debated for a long time if I would share that personal narrative of mine that I wrote. I compromised with myself by agreeing to share a portion of it and saving the most sensitive parts for myself. This might be one of the most vulnerable episodes that I ever make in my life and also one of the most important. I apologize in advance to people close to me who may hear me talk about this for the first time. And I hope you understand that it is my story to tell and I have full control over when I choose to tell it and how much of it I choose to tell. I am a survivor of sexual assault more than once or twice or three times. And it is an experience that has really impacted me in many different ways, ways that I'm still learning and uncovering. You may ask, why does it feel important to share this with the world, with an audience of strangers who don't know me personally? Well, my response is complicated. 
I went years and years without ever really talking about it, and things were kind of fine until they weren't. It almost feels like I woke up one day in my young adult life, and it was all I could think about. Something I desperately wanted to talk about, but was too scared to. I probably spent an entire year of therapy mostly talking about it once a week. And it was so helpful and hurtful at the same time. Therapy can sometimes feel like cleaning out a wound. You may have a band-aid over it for a little bit, but eventually you have to clean it so it won't get infected. And therapy starts with pouring alcohol over the wound because you gotta clean it before you can heal it. As a person who's passionate about youth development and youth work, when I tell people what drives my desire to know about how young people develop or to think about how we can collectively love young people better, it is rooted in the amount of silence I carried as a young person. The shame of my experiences, secrets about this or that, and I really would have benefited from a space for me to show up as my most authentic self with my baggage and everything. There would be times I would be having a conversation with a person and I would almost feel this like divine call to share my story as a survivor. I don't know what would make me feel it, but it would almost feel like God was pushing me to share. And that story nine out of ten times was met with the response, me too. I always thought that I was alone when there were so many people who shared the same experience as me many experiencing it in their childhood. Sexual assault is something that anyone can experience, literally. However, there tends to be a belief that it is not something that men and boys experience. It's also statistically hard to track because patriarchy teaches men a lot of complicated things about their experience being assaulted. If the perpetrator is a woman, many boys are taught to see this as a badge of honor. As boys, we are encouraged to explore our sexuality, as long as it's with a woman. We are taught to be flirtatious and early on are encouraged to objectify the bodies of women. I think of the somewhat recent TikTok trend, I believe it didn't last super long when folks began calling out how problematic it was, but essentially it involved recording young boys, literally like toddlers, looking at a video of a woman's chest and capturing their reaction of them doing things like drooling or making other faces that likely they were taught to make. Many boys and men can relate to those early conversations with friends about getting laid or getting some in the obsession with losing your virginity. Patriarchal media also has a way of creating fantasies about the relationship between young boys and adult women. And this makes it really hard for boys and men to talk about their experience because people don't always treat it like what it is, which is assault. And for those of us whose perpetrators were men, we forced ourselves into an even deeper silence for we know that patriarchal masculinity is rooted in a strong sense of homophobia and the fear of being called gay is enough to keep many silent. I also want to name for other survivors that it is normal and understandable to question or be confused about your sexuality after being assaulted, 
regardless of who it was by. However, it is also important to know that sexual assault is not related to the sexual orientation of the perpetrator or the survivor, and your sexual orientation is not caused by abuse or assault. I also think that it's important that I name that most sexual abuse of boys is not perpetuated by gay men. I think of the shame that many of us survivors carried, ashamed of the ways our bodies naturally responded to what we did not want it to respond to. Our body's responses are involuntary, meaning that in an assault, our bodies may have responded a certain way. And that is completely out of our control. Male survivors of child sexual abuse delayed disclosure for on average 20 years. At least one in six men have been sexually abused or assaulted. Men who have had experiences are at much greater risk than those who haven't for serious mental health problems, including symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder and depression, alcoholism and drug abuse, suicidal thoughts and suicide attempts, problems in intimate relationships, underachievement at school and at work. Take a moment and breathe in. And breathe out. Breathe in. And breathe out. As I started working on this episode, I started to feel a lot of doubt. I started to think, maybe this is just too heavy for the podcast. I don't know if I have enough to say what our listeners even going to get out of this episode. And the more I thought about it, all I care about is that maybe from this episode, someone feels seen. I hope that someone realizes that this is something that a lot of men and masculine folks have experienced and are suffering in silence. I made this episode in hopes that people would feel empowered to share their stories and get the support that they need to heal and to live peacefully. To men survivors of sexual assault, there are three things that I want you to know. One, what happened to you, whether you were a child, teenager, or an adult, does not make you less of a man. For many men, our pride is something that gets in the way of addressing the tough things. Patriarchal masculinity teaches us that our manhood is defined by our ability to defend and protect others and ourselves. In addition to this, our pride tells us that we're supposed to just get over it and to move on and not dwell on the past. The only way to truly move on, though, is to address it. I thought that not talking about it was making me stronger when really It was making me weaker. I'm sure many people, when they hear this episode, will probably commend me and say what I did was brave. The thing is, I've been talking about this a bit more openly for a little over a year now. 
And the more I talk about it, the less power that it has over me. Two, the emotions you feel are valid and you don't have to feel ashamed about showing them. Patriarchal masculinity teaches us to reject what it is that is natural to us. For example, sadness is a natural response to many of the things that we face and experience in life. And yet we have been told that it's something we shouldn't show. Not showing sadness is not tapping into a human emotion that is essential for our survival. The feeling of sadness is the way that our body communicates with us that something is wrong. And when we don't tap into our sadness, it is easy for it to be replaced with other emotions, such as anger. Remember that however you feel is valid, and I encourage you to allow yourself to feel it. Three, what happened to you was not your fault. For many folks who were assaulted as children, it is easy for us to blame ourselves with our body's natural response. Internally, we may say things like, but I was hard or I had an orgasm. And that must mean that it wasn't assault. It must mean that I wanted it to happen and that I liked it. No, no, no. It is natural for your body to react in certain ways. And this is something that you did not have control over. Patriarchy also teaches men to never back down and to fight to the finish. And maybe you feel like you did not do that. You may reflect back on your experience and feel like there was more you could have done to fight back or to resist, and maybe you blame yourself for not doing so. My friend, remind yourself of this. You did what seemed best at the time to survive, and there's nothing unmasculine about that. There may be some listeners who are listening and wondering what can they do to support the men and masculine survivors in their life? The first thing you can do is listen and validate their feelings. Trust me, the two statements, I believe you, and that sounds like a really hard thing to go through, can go a really long way. The second thing, take yourself out of the center. Sometimes our natural reaction can be, who did it? I swear to God, I'll fill in the blank right now. And that response isn't as helpful as it sounds. Part of taking yourself out of the center is acknowledging that you have feelings, but realizing that you are not the person disclosing that they have been assaulted. You may be a caretaker or a parent, and you may want to express your guilt for feeling like you didn't protect them. But that is something that you have to work out separately, but not necessarily with the survivor, at least not at the time when they first disclose what took place. Remember, it's not about you. The last thing, but not the final thing. Always point to resources. The best thing you can do for folks is often be a listening ear and a supportive and loving person. Know your limits. Don't try to be everything to that person. Be what you can be. And point to resources for what you cannot do and for what you do not know. Dear men and masculine survivors, you are not alone. 
I believe you, even if you don't remember all the details or remember the full story, trust yourself and trust your gut. For our body knows our stories sometimes better than our brain does. I'm so sorry that you experienced what you experienced. And I'm sorry if you felt like you've had to hide your story because of fear or shame. Know that it was not your fault. And that owning your story for yourself is one of the bravest things that you can do. If you ever feel like your life is not worth living and that you want to end it all, don't be ashamed. You are the furthest thing away from weak. My friend, you've just been strong for too long. But trust me, your life is worth living. You are loved, you are valued, and so special to this world and special to me. My brother, my homie, my friend, my cousin, my human, I love you. Rethinking Manhood. I want to close this episode out by providing some direct resources for folks who may be impacted by this issue. So here's one resource. You can chat anonymously and confidentially with ARAIN, which stands for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, support specialist who was trained to help at online.rain.org. That's online.rain.org. Another resource is malesurvivor.org. They have different webinars, live events, and they also have support groups that you can join. And some of these support groups are also identity-based, such as there's a support group for black male survivors, there's a support group for um, gay and trans survivors, and so many more identities as well. Oneinsix.org has resources for friends and families of survivors, ranging from book recommendations, statistics, and also survivor stories. I hope this was helpful. I look forward to being with you all next week. I hope this week is full of joy, peace, and love. Love you. Bye.